You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's going to be the first team to the Sweet 16. Incredible. Another fairy tale ride is underway for Loyola Chicago and head coach Porter Moser. On their way to the Sweet 16, and we've lost a number one seed for the first time in this tournament. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. Hanging out with Chris Ranji, getting you set for Sweet 16 weekend. Still a little strange to say. BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. We get eight games, and uh, we welcome in Jay Billis, ESPN College Basketball Analyst. Jay, know it's uh, busy times for you, so we appreciate your time this morning here on BetQL Daily. As we're looking at the eight matchups that we're going to be uh, watching this weekend, uh, which one stands out as your favorite? USC Oregon. Uh, it's uh, those are the two teams uh, that are probably have been undervalued and certainly were by the committee. And there's there's reason for that. I I I, I believe with you know Oregon had Will Richardson out for a good part of the year, so they didn't show I think how good they were earlier, uh, but they're showing it now. And then USC is just so talented, especially up front with Evan Mobley, their ability to cover up the rim. And, you know, they're only allowing 41% from two-point range uh, to their opponents. And that's, uh, that's best in the country. So if you, uh, if you don't make a deep shot, uh, you're going you're gonna to have a hard time getting something inside of 10, 12 feet and having it uncontested. They, they don't give up many uncontested shots. So that, that's the, and those are the only two teams, I think, that can give Gonzaga uh, a go before we get to the uh, the final four and the championship game, um, they, they were the biggest threats, I, I thought, in that, that bracket. Jay, you know that we like to, when we discuss things, uh, we like to package everything in a nice little you know uh, box and then put a bow on it. And we talked all year about how good the Big Ten was. Here we are, Michigan is left. We don't talk enough about the Pac-12. They've gone 9-1 in the tournament. What does this change, what has happened here over the first week and now getting into uh, week two or weekend number two here? Does that change anything about the narrative of these two conferences as we get deeper into the tournament? Well, I don't really know what the narrative is because, you know, nobody, I don't know anybody that said that uh, individual Big Ten teams were unbeatable and Pac-12 teams couldn't win. Nobody said that. Um, and, and the PAC 12 had three teams that were qualified for the tournament and one, uh, won the conference, the automatic bid that nobody expected, including any, like all the people who are out West where I grew up, I grew up in Los Angeles. So I understand sort of the, uh, the whole East coast bias idea 
that people out West have, that the games are late, nobody pays attention to us. Uh, you know, I don't, I've been scouring West Coast newspapers and, and other outlets for articles on Oregon State, and I can't find any. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we, we all overlooked Oregon State and they were killing it, we just didn't pay attention, just isn't true. And, and I know at our shop at ESPN, we've talked about USC and Oregon throughout the season. Um, so, you know, the idea that we haven't discussed it just isn't true. But, um, you know, the, the, here's what I think happens, and, and it's, it's fair game. Your conference does well. You crow about your conference and say the other conference sucks. Your conference doesn't go, uh, do well. You have to take it, and you make, excuse, you, know, you make whatever excuses you can. That's what's going on now. Like the Pac-12 has been in this position for a long time where they've been hammered over not performing in the tournament. And the Big Ten has, has crowed about it. So now it's the Pac-12's turn. And, and that's fine. We, we all should listen to it. But if you're, if you're an objective observer, uh, I think what you, what you have to do is say, all right, you know, there, there is a, over time you can say, all right, the ACC is the best league or this is the best league. That's fine. And, you, and postseason comes into it. But one data point doesn't make a trend. And so all these are individual teams' performances. So to me, you can't say, well, UCLA – Look, look what UCLA, what did UCLA do? You know, so now, now we're being told they beat a surging Michigan State. Where was Michigan State surging? You know, they were not a surging team. And, and then they beat who, whom everybody said was the, um, uh, one of the misseeded teams in BYU. They were way too high at a six. And then they beat a 14 in Abilene Christian that shot 29% in two straight games in the NCAA tournament. 29%. They scored 53 points and 47 points in two games. The difference was Texas gave them 23 turnovers and gave them 18 offensive rebounds, and UCLA didn't do that. They gave them eight and seven in those two categories, and UCLA won by 20. Uh, and I don't think anybody thinks UCLA is better than Texas. It's just Texas played horribly, and uh, and I think we can look at individual games and say, you know, do we really think Oral, Ro- Oral Roberts has two pros on their team? Uh, Max Asmus and Kevin O'Banner are both pros, and uh, and they 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 are extraordinary scorers and they played great. But you know I don't think they're better than Ohio State. I think Ohio State played poorly and and uh, Oral Roberts played really well. And you know so the metrics uh, I'm rambling on here, but the metrics we use. Yeah. So the the argument has been KenPalm.com says which are are tempo free uh, uh, analytics. So Kimpom.com says that Loyola Chicago is the tenth, you know, in the top ten in the country and has been all year long. So, so our argument is, our the media has been, uh, they were underseeded. That's wrong. How could this happen? And then we say the Big Ten sucks. Look at look at their performance. Well, their analytics are off the charts. Uh, according to the analytics, that that's been one of the best leagues in history this year, according to their perform- performance. Um, so we have to say now, do we say they were overrated or do we say they underperformed? And I think it's the latter. I think they underperformed. And I think the PAC 12 with four teams is having an extraordinary, um, uh, run in the tournament, but each team is only with the exception of UCLA that played a play in game. Each team's only played two games. And, and I'm not sure we can judge an entire conference based upon one or two games and, and one season. Uh, results. I think it's a lot more than that. But we got. I, I would do exactly what the Pac-12 is doing. I, w- I would absolutely crow about this and make as much hay as I can out of it. 
And if I were the Big, big Ten, you just got to take it because you didn't perform. With Jay Billis from ESPN, uh, let's sit on this Loyola-Oregon State matchup. Uh, you mentioned Loyola top 10 in Kempom throughout much of the year. Porter Moser still there. Crutwig also. So you could see it. Yeah, it was shocking uh, taking down the Illini in round number two, but you could see a path for them to make a run. Oregon State lost to Portland early on in the year. How do you explain what Oregon State has done? You can't. Um, they've they've played extraordinarily well through the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, they were a free throw away from this all being over. UCLA had a free throw to end this whole thing in the in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, and this wouldn't even be a discussion. And then Oregon State fans would be going, "Should we fire our coach?" And now they're scrambling to give him an extension. Like that's how big this tournament has become. That if you if you can make your way into it any way, shape, or form, you know, you win your automatic bid. Then, uh, because they weren't even in the conversation, Oregon State was not in the at-large conversation, not close. And so, if they they wind up getting in, and and look, they got they got a, a a difficult route. I thought like Tennessee's really good, but they're they're they can be challenged to score at times. And what Oregon State has done is they've really guarded the three-point line very well for for really all season. But they've done an extraordinary job in the postseason, in the Pac-12 tournament, and in the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, they beat two really good teams. They beat Tennessee and Oklahoma State. That's a lot of orange in those games, by the way. But but they 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 that's a, a fantastic accomplishment for that team. Um, but you know, are are we looking at that saying, okay, well, so how do we how do we term Oregon State's to your earlier question about the Big Ten and the Pac-12? How do we characterize Oregon State's season? If they're really this good, Jay, I, you I got to lose you. No, no, <laughs> I lose you? No. Like I, I was actually asking. No, it's the just how, oh, okay. How yeah. Characterize that. How, how should we characterize that? Like, so they were basically a 500 team during the season. Two different teams. the same yeah, teams right. everybody else in their league did. So, so, and now they've won uh, uh, five, six games in a row, including the Pac-12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. So, how do we characterize their season? Are, did they underperform or were they not any good or how, how do we, how do we do that? Like, you know, to me, it's the same analysis as you have with the, the big 10, like that, you know, they, they underperform, they've underperformed in the tournament. That doesn't mean they sucked. And, and uh, you know, so we could probably say Oregon state, did they underperform in the tournament? Some teams have had injuries. I don't think they had, they had many at all. Uh, during the season, but they do have some good players. I mean, Jared Lucas was one of the leading scorers in in California high school basketball history. Um, that dude, that dude can really score, and he was instant offense coming off the bench last year. And uh, Ethan Thompson is Stevie Thompson's son. He's an outstanding point guard, a really good defender. Uh, they've got good players, um, but they didn't they didn't perform at this level during the season. Jay, is there anything that prevents a Baylor Gonzaga national title game? Yeah, foul trouble, bad shooting night. Uh, opponent plays extraordinarily well. There are still teams that can beat them. I've not bought into the idea that they cannot be beaten because there's there's probably never been a college team that, that couldn't be beaten. But uh, even if you go back to the UCLA teams, I mean, with the, Bill Walton's teams got beaten. Um, didn't happen very often, but it happened. Uh, so, you know, basketball, you, you can always have a, a, a game where a team doesn't shoot well or, Things like and fouls are an issue, free throws, all that stuff. Um, so it can happen. But I think both Baylor and, and Gonzaga are significantly better than everybody else. Of these eight matchups, Jay, uh, which underdog do you think has the best shot to pull off the upset? 
uh, Syracuse. Like, and that's a, the funny thing about this year's tournament is, you know, when you look at the, the the sort of the facts that are put out about all the double-digit seeds that won, um, there are four double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16, but three of them are Power Five conference teams. You know, and I just I have a hard time calling teams that fly private <laughs> uh, <laughs> chartered to their games Cinderella. Like that's not Cinderella. The, the only real Cinderella in this tournament is Oral Roberts. So usually, what happens in the tournament? is is not to take away the mystery for everybody but but usually what happens is you have upsets in the first couple of rounds and then mm-hmm. things are normalized by the sweet 16 and it it really has happened this year so you've had uh this year you have and usually what you get are 12 major conference teams 12 to 14 major conference teams and then the rest are mid-majors but usually the mid-majors are the usual suspects so this year you have 13 major conference teams, including 10 Power Five conference teams, two Big East, one American in Houston, and the three mid majors are Gonzaga, Loyola, who's been to a Final Four in the last four years, and uh, and Oral Roberts. And so tell tell me like the crazy stuff that's that's happened in the tournament. The crazy thing we've seen is like Oregon State kind of came out of nowhere, out of the packed out of a power conference, uh, and Syracuse. Is start has played better in the last month. Jay Billis, ESPN college basketball analyst. Wish you had, we had more time. Hopefully uh, we can catch up with him again as we uh, keep moving to the final four. You've got the BetQL Audio Network.